Good afternoon. Welcome to the channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. The first Monday of October trading and actually got to see some nice green on the screen when it comes to our grain complex. Uh, some mixed market was seen in, in the cattle. It was definitely lower on the trade for the hogs. But we'll take a look at what's been happening from a grain perspective today. A variety of things to look at, including the fact that we know and we've talked about this before, but it's always good to reiterate what's going on with the Mississippi River and how that really is going to have an impact on our Midwest producers. Add to that, uh, Mexico back in the market buying more U.S. corn. Harvest does continue. Uh, Many, of course, waiting for some sort of rain event to take place as well as we'll kind of relook at the report of Friday, dive in a little bit more to those numbers. Lots to focus on during today's report and joining us today is going to be Jameson Jensen. Jameson is with Tradeoff. So let's start out Talk a little bit about uh, Friday's report. As you overlook all those numbers and you've had some time to kind of digest everything, what's your thought on the overalls? Well, I think, uh, as as we all saw, um, call it uh, maybe early August into uh, harvest here beginning, uh, basis, you know, let's say went from 80 over to uh, 20 over. So generally speaking uh there was enough corn around to fulfill demand uh especially on the the local cash market um the the difference is last year we had about 100 million bushels of stocks in the elevator system this year it's about 62 million so about 60 percent of what we had available a year ago kind of helped support basis going into harvest here uh and then as we are rolling through harvest into in the state of nebraska uh, specifically We've got maybe your, your dry land stuff going to town uh, early, and then uh, I am in the camp that the farmer does whatever they can do not to physically sell bushels on the front end of harvest. So I believe uh, harvest basis, especially corn, will remain firm uh, as we are going to have a real difficult time having that real gut slot punch as harvest is kind of wound up in some areas. It hasn't even started in other areas, so it's going to be really difficult to have that what do we do with all this corn uh, 10 day stretch locally. Did you see any surprises when you looked at those numbers? No. Um, I guess the, uh, the, the glaring number is that 44% of the total corn stocks were in the farmer's hands, which I believe is the highest in about 20 years. So from, uh, the corn being there, it was there. It just wasn't uh, necessarily available to the market as the farmer was just disinterested in selling it. What about from a soybean perspective, looking at those numbers from Friday? You know, year over year is pretty similar in terms of overall stocks on hand. And I would say that uh, that is just due to lower exports than, than maybe were projected for this upcoming year. Um, but it seems like that 250-ish million uh, number is just really hard to get below. Uh, and if we're above that uh, type value, it, it's really hard to get that, you know, $14, $15 soybean market. And for wheat? Wheat, uh, as you can probably tell if you're a wheat producer, the market has been pretty cruddy the last, uh, I don't know, year, uh, at least where we came from. Uh, wheat uh, was on contract lows going into the close Friday. It's rallied a little bit since then, but just generally speaking, we ha- the world in general does not need our wheat, and uh, the markets reacted accordingly. Um, in terms of world demand, it seems like there's a lot of cheap Brazilian uh, corn coming uh, or being loaded on vessels currently. So there's at the worldwide feed demand, uh, as we you know discuss uh, Europe and things like that, so it's just really difficult to find a home for that. 
And then, again, as the Mississippi uh, River is making it challenging to export wheat that somebody might want anyway. So it's just a really difficult time, uh, especially, you know, like I say, the, the world market is uh, flush in coarse grains at the moment. So let's let's dive into the Mississippi River. We've we've had a few discussions. Um, we know that uh, Soy Transportation Coalition, for example, closely watching the river levels. And when you see mainstream media uh, talking about it, you know there's some some bigger concerns and what we're seeing just in agriculture. But from an ag perspective, what does it mean with lesser barges? Uh, what frustration are we going to see for these producers? With uh, just the way that the Mississippi River is set up, most of those uh, elevators along the river system are not uh, what I would call very large. Uh, so they're they're really set up to uh, receive grain, ship grain quickly, and do that over and over. They're not really designed to hold a harvestable crop, or at least that volume. So what's happened in the east is corn basis uh, has probably dropped I don't know, 50 cents the last 10 days along the river. Um, so just to give you an example, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, is about 9,500 for corn. That's normally a, a zero basis or better. So just to, to give you an idea, it's about a dollar worth solely because they just can't physically remove the grain from their, uh, their local market there. So what I think that means for a, a Western Corn Belt producer is uh, I think in the last, uh, I don't know, two Two weeks, 10 days, we've sold about 88 million bushels of corn just to Mexico, and that is all going to have to go via rail, and we are the uh, the closest origination point here, you know, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas. So I think it's going to keep corn basis pretty firm, uh, even past harvest. I just don't know if we keep making these sales, it's got to come from the west because the, the east is just stuck at the moment. Do you see any concerns, though, uh, with, with the PNW being able to divert? Should Mississippi River levels not change and try to get some of his grains moved out to export? I think it's, for the, or I guess in general, it's very difficult to rail corn east. Uh, there's just different rail lines, and they're not necessarily set up to do that. Uh, I think for the time being, the Dakotas have a pretty large crop, uh, and they should be able to to fulfill the PNW demand just with their corn without having to go over the top of them from the east. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the channel final bell. We come back. We're going to take a look at what some of those export numbers are. Mexico back in securing about another 210,000 metric tons today with weekly inspections in line with some of the recent weeks. We also saw some numbers coming in from a soybean perspective, believe it or not. China in looking at the markets. More is coming up. It's the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the Channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation this afternoon with Jameson Jensen. Jameson, of course, is with Trados. And we left off kind of talking about exports and obviously moving the grain with, with some concerns that are still out there about the Mississippi. But it's sure nice to see Mexico out there looking for some U.S. corn right now. Yeah, it's great. They're our number one export partner. And uh, just with all of the 
uh, I guess you, whatever you want to call it, the GMO versus non-GMO uh, rumors and debate and things like that, they really didn't have a great uh, forward book on. Uh, so it's great to see them finally getting back to uh, their buying ways. Hopefully we can continue that. Uh, and and then we did have a, a, a sale to China as well. I'm pretty sure that's just a spillover from uh, last week. They're actually on holiday this week. So I would not anticipate any big news out of China until next week sometime. Even though it is quiet, I understand, though, they were looking um, for some, and maybe it came in from last week's weekly inspection, but about 132,000 metric tons. So it's nice to see we've yep. got a little peak of interest uh, coming from China it when is, their focus yeah, has been. It's, it, exactly. It's it's great to get that, at least the conversation growing, because I think really they have not been super interested at all. They've been taking a lot of cheap Brazilian beans most of the year. Uh, the The Encouraging thing, though, is that we exported, uh, not sales, but exported about 25 million bushels of soybeans last week, which is actually up from 18 or so a year ago. So uh, what is that? A 30% increase uh, in a time when really soybean harvest was not nationally going until probably about this week. So the, even with all the uh, Mississippi River issues and things like that, we did get a lot of beans shipped a week ago. That's the good news. The bad news is uh, exports are expected to be 10% down from a year ago in general. So uh, we really need to keep that pace going. Are we going to see um, any surprises? I know that uh, when you look at harvest pro- uh, progress and where we're at, do you see any um, updated information? We know we had some some weather that moved in through some areas in the last week. Could that cause a clo- slowdown for some of our states? Yeah, I think there was a lot of soybean trains that kind of got stuck uh, or caught waiting for they were probably half full, and then it rained over the weekend, and then they took another couple of days to get loaded again. So uh, I would expect our weekly number this week to be uh, pretty outstanding, especially on soybeans. Uh, corn, we're, uh, we exported about $25 million in corn uh, a week ago as well. Um, that's that's a, also a pretty big number, especially because harvest really isn't even going yet in corn uh, world. So that is encouraging. The we are getting it shipped. Uh, we do need more sales in the, the future. Uh, just to put it in perspective, we are about half. Uh, I guess we've got 1.5 million metric tons on the books, let's say. Uh, a year ago, this time, it was about 3 million. So we're about half uh, our, our outstanding sales. So we really need some, some positive movement there at some point in short order. I tell you, that's what these farmers need right now is some sort of positive news and, and, the, and the wait to see. If it happens, knowing the pressure from exports. But I guess we can say one of the biggest benefits is we averted a government shutdown, at least for now. And that was good news for these markets. Yeah, it took a lot of the uh, the negativity away, um, you know, just from a lot of skepticism. Uh, and then that will, the good news for the, the egg economy in general is that will get us through the November WASDI. So there should be a lot of uh, information from the month of October in there that should be useful uh bullish or bearish, whatever it might be. Uh, things that are still maybe political headwinds or economical headwinds is uh, a lot of people are expecting interest rates to get increased again, maybe in November or December. Uh, and then it sounds like there might be some uh, some drama about the, the Speaker of the House. Uh, it sounds like Speaker McCarthy might be challenged a little bit uh, in short order. So hopefully that doesn't uh, take Washington's eye off the ball and we can still move forward uh, with some positive momentum just from a uh, compliance and government uh, environment.
Well, especially since we missed the deadline for the farm bill as well. We know that's a huge impact as well for our farmers and ranchers. Yeah, out there. I, I think we've, uh, unfortunately, uh, that yeah. song and dance will probably keep going until there's a, a real deadline involved. And it just doesn't seem like that is anybody's priority at the moment. I know you don't do a lot of diving into the livestock side, Jameson, but is there anything on the livestock trade today that caught your attention? Uh, you know, just in general, feeder cattle are, uh, I guess, if you if you looked at the, the 10-day chart on feeder cattle, you might say, wow, that's really bad. And, uh, you know, the, the end is near and things like that. But it's worth keeping in mind, we're roughly $10 off of our all-time highs uh, from two weeks ago. So when you look at it that way, maybe it's a, a little better feeling. It seems like the, the sale barns are still pretty firm and active. It's not like we're running out of buyers. Uh, and then from a, a fat cattle standpoint, we're only three bucks off of our all-time highs. So uh, maybe short-term uh, turbulence, but still overall in really good shape. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? You can visit us on uh, social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, at GoTradeOffs LLC, or check out our website, GoTradeOffs.com. Or uh, come visit us in Lincoln. All right. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Channel Final Bell brought to you by Channel Seed and your local channel professionals on the Rural Radio Network.